Hey guys, welcome back to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And today, we are going to be, how do I say it? Jumping into a new series, but an old series, but it's an ongoing series. Stay tuned. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And uh, thanks for joining us. Like I said at the top, we are kind of uh, jumping into an ongoing series. And, and there's a reason that it's ongoing. Now, we're going to be going through really quickly over the next little while our values. What do we value here at Evangel Church? And, and, and here's why we do this so often. Because our values in many ways, is kind of like a compass on a ship. Um, the compass is only useful if you check your bearings on a regular basis. And so if you don't check your bearings, if you don't check and see where you're going on a regular basis, you will go off course. And the longer you take to check those bearings, the more off course you will go. And so part of our vision and part of our values is we need to come back to them on a regular basis to be reminded, this is what we're all about. Now, there's gonna be some of these that are, you're gonna hear them and you go, yeah, we're actually strong on that. There's gonna be some values that we are actually aspiring towards. And maybe you look at them and go, you know, we're kind of weak on that. We need to bolster that. We need to do something about becoming more like that in terms of what we're pursuing and what we're chasing. So let's take a moment in time together to ask the question, how are we doing as we seek to live in a community of faith that is shaped by these values? Now, I want to start with a question. It is a question that actually comes from our series in John. Uh, it is a question asked by Pilate when jo Jesus is on trial. It's a it's a kind of cynical question. And the question is, as Pilate asked it, is what is truth? What, what is truth? Now, this is, this is kind of the cynical response that Pilate gave Jesus when Jesus said that he had come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate's response, what is truth? In our day, that question it actually carries a lot of weight. Um, there, there was a time when uh, generations before us, they would share their opinion on a matter. And they knew that they were sharing their opinion. But today, now, in this culture, in this society, in this time, we no longer share our opinion. We share our truth. Now, I, I want to put our or my, your truth into parenthesis because it, it, it's, it's sort of like we've, we've traded in the objective for the subjective. And so here's where we kind of find ourselves. This is the cultural moment that we're in. And, and, and this truth uh, could be shaped by any number of criteria. It could be shaped um, by uh, your environment, your upbringing, your experiences, uh, the tribe that you're a part of in terms of 
who you would kind of associate with. Uh, this can be shaped simply by your feelings on matters. And so you feel a certain way. So that is your truth. Um, now, this is, this is kind of the postmodern take on truth. And, and there's been an erosion over the years of objective truth to, to a place where subjective truth defines what is true about the world. Now, it doesn't, but in our mind's eye, in the philosophy of the day, we would say that it does. But, but it's even worse than that because we, we've kind of created this social norm that demands that my truth and your truth can be diametrically opposed to one another, and yet they must both be validated as true. Lest we offend, lest we um, whatever, prop up one thing over another thing, create hierarchy. Um, this is kind of where we find ourselves. And so we're walking in this sort of philosophy of truth in our time and in our age, that your truth and my truth, even if they're diametrically opposed to one another, must be seen as authentic and true. And, and, and today, the, the preaching of God's word, it, it, needs, it needs a bit of a preface. It, I, need to, I need to convince you that objective truth exists. In today's day and age, I just can't take for granted that you believe that. And so I want to make the argument that objective truth does exist. You know, in the postmodern world, we've created kind of this undermining of this kind of presupposition that there is objective truth in the world. In a biblical worldview, it presents truth with this understanding. Particularly Paul, as, he, as Paul the Apostle writes his letters, he uses the word in truth. And what he means by it is there is what is true. And then opposed to that or subsequent to that, there is what is falsehood. So there's what is true. And then there is what is deceptive, what is false, what is propped up as true, but it actually isn't. And so this is the understanding, the biblical understanding of truth in the world. And and here's the deal. Truth brings freedom and life. Falsehood, it brings death. It brings going way off course from our design. And, and I know this is a controversial, confrontational kind of position that the church has in our society today. Now, if you're, if you're a young person listening to this, can, can I just ask you, please be thoughtful about what you're taught in this world and what you're taught in academia. Um, as was said by, by Douglas Gruthis in, in an article, uh, he wrote, we live in a universe, not a multiverse. We live in a universe, a uni, one verse, not a multi, multiple verse. So do the hard work of discovering truth. Two opposing truths cannot be both true. That's just, it seems like a fundamental idea, but things have kind of gone off course. There was a pastor who was kind of getting nowhere with a young man who had kind of three propositions, 
that he believed in. The first was the Bible is true. He believed that the Bible is true. He also believed that there is a resurrection. And so, okay, the Bible's true, there is a resurrection. One supports the other, the other supports the one. So we're good, we're good so far. But his third kind of belief was that there is also reincarnation. Okay, hold on. So the Bible is true, there is a resurrection, and there is reincarnation. The problem is that the Bible is true, speaks to the resurrection as the way of life, as the truth, which is diametrically opposed to the idea of reincarnation. Now, this pastor is trying to kind of show this young man that these three things don't fit together. One of them can't be true, or subsequently two of them might not be true. Like that, like that, those are the only two conclusions that he could have, but he couldn't get anywhere with this young man because the young man just liked the idea that these three things could exist at the same time. He just liked the idea. He felt that it was right. What do you do? What do you do when the presupposition is that there is no objective truth? So today I want to invite you to consider what is truth? What is truth? And this is going to demand something of you. You know, instead of asking, how do I bend the world to my truth? which is the pursuit of many. How, how do I bend the world to my truth, my position, the way I see the world? Instead, what the truth demands is of us is that we bend ourselves to the truth. And that means the ball is in our court to not only discover what is true about the world, but then to reshape our paradigm and our opinions and our way of life to that truth. Our value statement, and this is the first value statement that we're going to be jumping into as we talk about the values that shape us. Our value statement is engaging biblical truth will change your life. That's our number one value here at Evangel. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. Now, it's funny because originally, like we could have just simply said engaging truth will change your life. And that would have been true. That would have been a really good statement, actually. But because of the pluralism of the world around us, we needed to be so specific. Biblical truth, though it's truth, we felt like we need to identify biblical truth will change your life. The journey of life is to discover what is true about the creator, his creation, us being part of that, and also life after Death, what exists beyond this world that we can see and experience? And these three discoveries, they change everything for us. And, and, and all three of these discoveries have a central figure in the middle of it all. And his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is a central figure to everything that we are going to discover today. John 8 31 to 32 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
So let's take a moment to, to look at this text and, and, and understand what Jesus means by this statement. If you're taking notes, write this down. The values, your values are shaped by where you abide. Your values are shaped by where you abide. Now, now what does the word abide mean? It, it means to reside, to remain, to spend time. It's, it's a place in which you prioritize and spend your time. Now, I think, for the sake of this, I think that time is best understood as a commodity. People often ask the question, how do you spend your time? And I think the better question is, how do you invest your time? How do you invest your time? In this world, our time is so finite. We all have been given different amounts of time to exist in this moment, in this world. And the question is, how do we invest our time? Why investment? Because investment gives you an ROI. There's a return on investment. And, 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 but not all returns are created equal. Because sometimes you have a positive return on investment. But there are times when you have a negative return on your investment. And you're left with nothing. You know, how many know that the greatest risk you have in your investment portfolio is the place where you have the most invested. That's your greatest place of risk. That's why we diversify our investments. And this is where you'll see kind of your greatest return or you'll see your greatest loss. And here Jesus, he turns to those who believed in who he is, the Messiah, and he says, abide reside, spend time in my word. And let, let, let me tell you what the, the, the return on that investment will be. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will change everything. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. So, so why is this? How, how is it that Jesus can make this claim about himself? Note takers, if you're writing notes, write this down. Jesus and truth are synonymous. Jesus and truth are synonymous. Jesus, he personifies truth in this world. Now, that's, that's a pretty bold claim. And, and here's why I believe it to be true, because I have come to believe that Jesus is God. And God is the creator of everything that we know. He is the creator of this universe and all that we see and know in this world. And because he's the designer, and, and, when we, and when we catch this and we operate in our design by the designer, we thrive. That's where life is. That's where freedom is. That's where fulfillment is. But when we push against our design, or, or what we would call uh, living in sin, adopting a false view of the world, we die. This is a matter of life and death. And I, I mean die both quite literally, but also metaphorically. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin, the return on your investment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Your return on investment, when you spend your time on sin, things contrary to your design, is death. That's the return. But here's the, 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 the kind of more powerful truth about abiding in the Word of God, is that there is this discovery that there is an objective truth. There is a better way. There is a design. Because there's a designer, you can't just believe in a God, a a creative being, one who created everything, and then think to yourself, I can believe that, but put it on the shelf over here and do whatever I want to do to live in this world. That's not the way design works. You are designed for a purpose, and if you operate in a way that is contrary to that design, you are not going to find freedom. This is what sin does. This is what sin is. The claim of Jesus is this. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Jesus' claim in this world. For those of you that think Jesus was just a good teacher, this is what he claimed about himself. So either he's a nut bar, he's trying to deceive you, or this is true, that he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father. No one is reintroduced to the designer of all things except through Jesus Christ. Douglas Gruthis writes, The Bible does not present truth as a cultural creation the ancient of the ancient Jews or the early Christians. They received truth from the God who speaks truth to his creatures. And they were expected by this God to conform themselves to this truth. In, in other words, truth is unchanging despite what we believe of it. Truth didn't come from us. They didn't come from humanity's uh, (laughs) humanity building and overcoming and and evolving uh, the best practices of living in community. This is not where truth came from. Truth comes from an external source that, that lives and breathes and is existent outside of time and space. This is what this is the source of truth, the designer injected truth into the world by the way in which he designed his creation. This is what truth is. And the truth from the beginning of creation remains, and it's our opportunity to discover and to submit to what is true about the world, ourselves, and our God. Paul writes a commentary on the world apart from God in Romans 1.18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Underline that word. If you have a Bible, underline that word suppress. Suppress the truth. Have you ever suppressed the truth before? You know know what I'm talking about? Let's say you're driving your car, right? And all of a sudden, there's a new noise. We've all had that moment where you're driving your car. There's a new noise. 
And anytime there's a new noise in a car, it's never a good thing. But you tell yourself, it's nothing. It's just, I'm just gonna keep driving and it's gonna go away. And the more you drive, the worse it gets. And then your engine blows up or your transmission fails or something goes horribly, catastrophically wrong. The truth was there, the signs were there, the evidence was there, but you suppress the truth, right? We've all been there, we've all walked that out. Paul goes on in verse 19, Romans 1, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The truth, it leads to two activities, the acceptance of it or the suppression of it. The acceptance of it or the suppression of it. One demands that you be the one to change and the other demands that the world change for you. One demands that you become like one pursuing to look like God's image. The other demands that the world begin to operate under your image. Notice, engaging biblical truth will change what? Your, <laughs> your life. It'll change your life. As a church, we've come to this conclusion collectively. As Evangel Church, we collectively believe this to be true. This value, it keeps us planted in the main thing. It's our plumb line. It's our, it's our North Star. It's Jesus. He's our cornerstone. Because in a world where so much is being kind of touted as truth, we can't lose sight of the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, not a truth, but the truth of this world. When our society it demands that we call what is false true, we must be those who stand for what is true despite what it might cost us. This is the life of the Christian in this world. But the only way we can do this is if we are those who are abiding in the word. Why? Because it's in the word that we are shaped and reshaped to understand what is true. This is where we find truth. In the person of Jesus and in his word that gives explanation of this world, of our God, and of what's to come. 
So let your time in the word, in Christian community, in prayer, in worship, in God's presence, outweigh the investments. This needs to be the biggest basket that you invest your time in as you seek to live in this world. Let's encourage one another to spend time and abide and reside in the word of God. And I don't know about you, but I found myself to be so easily distracted, making investments of my time in things that are giving me a net negative return on that investment. We need to be engaging biblical truth, being in proximity to it. Let it challenge us, change us, convict us, convince us. We began the sermon with a cynical kind of question from Pilate. What is truth? And he asked with this cynicism of a man who, who knew the society of polytheism and many philosophies. He oversaw uh, the Jews and Judaism and pantheism and all of these things claiming their stake on truth. And so the cynicism in Pilate rose up. What is truth? Perhaps you look around our world today and you see all of the positions being taken on what is true about this world, about best practices, about society, about culture, about problem solving, about all the different positions and all the different things. What is true? Can I just say we exist as a church because we believe with conviction that Jesus is God, that we are his creation and that there is a resurrection. There is a life after this. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. Now I hope, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what your understanding is of the Christian faith or what your philosophy is or what you see the world as. Can I just challenge you to ask the question, to take out the cynicism that Pilate had and to ask authentically the question, what is truth? What is truth? Because friend, there is an objective truth in this world. It was externally sourced into this world by a creator who exists outside of time and space. It's his design. And if it's his design, he knows the truth. He knows the best practices. He knows the positions. He knows what it is to live in this world. Now, if you're on the outside looking in, sometimes people have this pre kind of misconception about the church and Christianity. And they see it as this group of people who choose to submit themselves to just following rules, who say no to fun, <laughs> say no to the good times and all this stuff and just follow the rules. But here's, here's what's so interesting about that, friend. God doesn't give us rules because he wants to subject us to obedience. God gives us rules because he wants to reveal fulfillment and life in our design. And so as we bend our lives in light of truth, that's when we discover that there's a better way, that there's a more fulfilling way, that there's a way 
that lives life in this world, that has practices and positions and sacrifices that live beyond this world into the next for all eternity. This is the truth we believe. This is the truth that shapes us. So at Evangel Church, this is our conviction and this is what we live by. And it's our number one value. Engaging biblical truth will change your life.